0: You need help. You need teachers. You need coaches. You need disciplinarians. You need a pat on the back. But ultimately, it comes down to your commitment and your ability. What's the old story? There's no I in team, but there is a you in success.
1: Hey everybody and welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to introduce to you today's guest, Harry Major. Harry served as president of Zep Manufacturing Company for 27 years. And during his tenure, Zep became an international leader in the specialty chemical industry. As a sales representative, Harry was so successful that he was named the company's first director of sales and he led a 2000 salesperson team to produce double-digit growth for 25 straight years absolutely incredible. So incredible, in fact, that Bernie Marcus, co-founder of The Home Depot, called Harry one of the greatest salesmen of all time. He eventually retired as chairman of the chemical division of national service, then a publicly traded New York Stock Exchange company. Now, Harry's focus is on his philanthropic endeavors in his hometown of Atlanta, as well as on his book, Story Selling, Sage Advice and Common Sense About Sales and Success. The reality is is that regardless of what we're doing, every single one of us is selling, either selling ourselves, selling a product or a service. Sales is relevant to all of us. And so this conversation is going to be especially enlightening. And you'll hear a bit about story selling and what you can find in Harry's book if selling is something that you want to improve on. Now, before we jump in, I want to encourage all of you to head to dowellanddogood.co backslash join because on that page, you can sign up for my email list. But not only will you get on that list and be able to hear what episodes are coming out, but I will also donate one day of clean water to a family in need when you sign up. So that link again is dowellanddogood.co backslash join. And I'm so grateful for your help in giving back. So with that, here's my conversation with Harry Major. Harry, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I'm excited to have you here.
0: It is a pleasure, Dorothy, to be with you today.
1: Oh, thank you. Well, you know, before we dive into your book and and your career, I'm hoping that you can sort of set the stage for us. What was life like for you growing up? And what were some of the beliefs around money and success that were instilled in you as a child? Well, I was born
0: at a very early age. Uh, I'm yeah, pulling your leg there.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> Most of us are born at very early <laughs> okay. age. Uh, To actually immigrant parents Uh, father immigrated from Russia at about 20. So I am a first generation uh, American and uh, There was always a certain discipline. It was the old-fashioned throwback Do it because I said do it and I'm not going to hold your hand and I'm not going to tell you to go do your homework That's your responsibility And so there was an air of, uh, I won't say maturity, but expectation when I was growing up that uh, there was little frivolity. It was serious. My dad was uh, from sunup till sundown, worked in a little grocery store that he owned. And uh, I helped out as a youngster and making a living and being self-disciplined and staying on the straight and narrow path and doing the right thing was just a part of my upbringing?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting because I think that whole that whole idea of you know, I'm not going to hold your hand, you know you're you're responsible for for getting it done. Um, that's really what creates a great salesperson, would you agree?:
0: I think self-discipline absolutely is a key element of success. And I think self-reliance and knowing that uh, I love those 10 words that have sort of been a guiding principle for me. 10 two-letter words, Dorothy. Here they go. If it is to be, it is up to me. And again, so simple, but yet so profound in what it implies. And that doesn't mean that life is a total do-it-yourself project. You need help. You need teachers. You need coaches you need disciplinarians, you need a pat on the back. But ultimately, it comes down to your commitment and your ability. What's the old story? There's no I in team, but there is a you in success.
1: Oh, I love that. You know, so how did you get into sales when you were starting your career?
0: Well, I started selling Coca-Colas. This is the Coca-Cola town, Atlanta, Georgia. And I had a little Coca-Cola stand on the front yard, you know, on the curb. And as people would come by, I would flag them down and try to sell a Coke for a nickel in those days. <laughs> and there, I, from there, I sold football colors or pennants outside football stadiums, the buttons that you would buy, that you know, depicting the school or the pennants that people waved. And I sold shirts on Saturdays. And I sold shoes on Saturdays. I was just always selling something. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do when I grew up. But having uncles and my parents who were always in the grocery business and lived by, by the store, above the store, next door to the store, while I didn't know what I wanted to do, I just did know that I didn't want to do it in an apron. And so I wanted to do something else. And uh, again, sales was an easy entry area. Uh, I like people. Uh, People, for some reason, listened to me, (laughs) would agree with me. And uh, it was uh, not that difficult uh, to, uh, as long as you knew your product, as long as you treated people fairly, as long as you showed up on time, in time, enough times, it was a success pattern that is so replicable that anyone can do it who will absolutely commit themselves to it. You know, at we were blessed with a very large, diverse sales force, 2,000 men and women. And, you know, there's no such thing as a born salesman. Have you ever looked at a birth announcement today, born was a salesperson? No, I'm not. (laughs) Of course. So again, people uh, learn to get along. They learn their product. They learn what motivates people. They learn how to follow up. And you know, again, I loved sales. I was comfortable doing it. I liked the independence of it. I liked the fact that I set my own wages. As a result, the, the more you sell, the more you make. So again, it just fit. It doesn't fit for everyone. But most people can sell. In that diverse sales force, that was not the typical or prototype. Some were tall, some were short, some were well-educated, some weren't very well-educated. Some were glib and verbose, and some were hesitant. And and when they talk, talk, they are But yet they were successful because the key elements was not the persona, not the outside, but what made you tick and what was important to your customers.
1: Well, so I'm curious what this transition was like for you, going from you know, being a sales representative yourself to leading this team, this massive team of, of salespeople. Because you know, for you, you kind of had you had that in you. You know, you've been selling since you were a kid. You know, you were comfortable with it. Um, but I imagine you know, with 2,000 people, certainly not all of them, uh, you know, had that. Intrinsic comfort with sales. So, was that a difficult transition for you, you know, going from, you know, leading yourself to, you know, leading all these other people and getting them to produce those kinds of results?
0: No, not really. I mean, some of the principles still apply. Uh, Again, treat people as they want to be treated, Uh, recognition and reward, making sure they were prepared for what you challenge them to do showing them that there was a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow if they were willing to sacrifice to, to, to get there. Motivation, but not just hype. You know, what do they call that? Edutainment, you know, when you bring in these outside speakers. I mean, it's wonderful for 30 minutes, but if it doesn't stick and if it's nothing you can take away and apply and put to work, it's just edutainment. And you want it. You, entertainment's important. Education's important. Putting them together, though, it must have substance and it must have some ability to remain with you that you can transmit. And so my enthusiasm for sales, my hands-on approach to a sales force, my visibility to the sales force, my uh, recognition of what they were being challenged with every day helped in that transition. It also helped in my credibility because they said, oh, Harry's been there maybe I will listen to him. He's done it. Does that mean that you have to hit 300 to be a hitting coach? No. There there are certain principles of swinging a bat and positioning that some people can transmit better than they can implement themselves. Well, again, I wasn't the world's greatest salesman in spite of what Murray Marcus said. But, But the point is, I was good enough to recognize what worked and what was right and what was wrong. And that, that transition was not a difficult one. And uh, I enjoyed it. I've, I've enjoyed every role that I've served in. I'm blessed in that regard.
1: Incredible. Well, you know, coming out of this, you know, Unbelievable career that you've had, and um, you know, moving into retirement, you had this vision of of your book of story selling. So, I'm curious, you know, what what did you see as being missing in terms of you know the landscape of education around selling, and what were you looking to you know bring to the conversation with your book?
0: Again, selling is more than features and benefits. Selling is. Uh, Passion selling is emotion selling is building friendships, and each week for twenty-seven years, I wrote a sales letter at Zepp. And the end of the first there's about three pages. The first page was something motivational, a story from Zep Land, something that I had read that I thought was appropriate to share. The second page was happenings, you know, a price increase, a discontinuation. The third page was a close, and it ended with a Harry's hint. In a little box, a little simple axiom, a little principle, that, like like up on church bulletin boards all over the world, you know. And the reps used to tell me, Harry, I don't read the first two pages for that garbage. I just go to the third page to read the hints, <laughs> and uh, I love the hints. And uh, you know, things like selling is a trick, but it isn't trickery. Things like uh, failure is the path of least persistence. Things like there's a mighty big difference between good sound reasons and reasons that sound good. Uh, Again, the best place to find a helping hand is the end of your own arm. Right. Type things. And and I took these, and each of those hints became a chapter title. And people said, Harry, you really ought to share that. And for years, people said, do it, do it, do it. And I finally got around to it. Uh, Nike. What does Nike say? Just do it. Mm-hmm. I finally said, Harry, just do it now. And again, that urgency is important. And so the the 50 chapters in the book, each is, is a story uh, that has meaning and purpose and is motivational in a way. It's not a how to sell a product. It's a why to sell a product. It's what's important to people, life's lessons and principles that hopefully people can apply in their own activities, whether they're selling or whether they're teaching or whatever they may be doing. I think in story selling, there are helpful hints that people can use appropriately
1: you know i think one challenge that a lot of entrepreneurs you know a lot of people who listen to this show face is that when they started their business they were a practitioner right you know they were a a media buyer or they were a chiropractor or you know whatever their their trade is but then when you you know go from being a practitioner in someone else's business to being a practitioner in your own business the new element comes in of well now you've got to sell now you've got to be able to convince people to hire you to do whatever it is that you do and so you know for for people who you know really aren't comfortable with sales for you know whom it, it just it feels very unnatural or it feels almost a little bit icky to sell what would you say to that person uh, and how would you recommend that they start to get comfortable with sales to be able to transition from just being a practitioner to really being a business owner
0: again there's no simple one two three success pattern If someone is uncomfortable in sales, it's generally because they don't know enough about what they're doing. They don't recognize the importance of what they're doing to the people that they're calling on. So the first thing, you must learn more about your product than anybody else. You've got to be comfortable, no more than anyone. And second, you've got to do it to the best of your ability. Thirdly, you've got to be passionate. One of Harry's hints was People that don't get carried away should be.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I think a big part of this is just recognizing the value in what you're selling uh, and transitioning from, you know, how, how do I get this person to buy for me to, you know, how do I help this person and, and facilitate this value exchange? Would you agree with that perspective?
0: Oh, absolutely. It's about the other person. It's not about you. You've got to be able to convince that person how your product or service helps, how it improves their revenue, how it eliminates bottlenecks, how it differentiates them from their competitors. And if you are selling something or representing a service or product that it doesn't do that, then my advice to you is change. That's not a good place to be. If you're not sold on your product to service, if you're not enthusiastic and hyped about why it is a better mousetrap, then go find a better mousetrap someplace.
1: You know what? What tips would you have? Um, you know, I know there's they're endless, but you know, one or two ideas around how to differentiate yourself in the marketplace when you're selling. You know, when when you're selling X Y Z widget or you're selling, uh, you know, a service that you know they could go to a hundred other businesses to to get something similar. How do you show how you're differentiated and um, you know really make that case to the person that you're selling effectively?
0: Again, a challenge in teaching sales. I always tried to say there is no such thing as a commodity. So, on your premise, that means you must differentiate yourself. And how do you do that? Myriad ways that one can differentiate. You know, you can differentiate by by having price. You know, again, not the best way to fame and fortune. You can differentiate by you, the service before, during, and after the sale. The interest of your customer should be paramount. You, you should absolutely know how your product helps and be willing to get in there and prove that. You can differentiate by clipping articles that you send a customer that relate to their business, that you find someplace else to make sure they solve that that's pertinent and relevant to their business. You can differentiate by, again, By showing up on time, in time, again, that we talked about earlier. And when you show up, you know, bring a coffee, bring a chocolate bar, bring, bring a novelty of some sort. I was a flashlight guy. And every time I made a call, I left a little flashlight—a Zep flashlight. It had Zep. We used fountain pens and screwdrivers and cigarette lighters in the old days and pocket knives and things that cost a buck or less. So you are really not talking about a premium per se. We're talking about just a little leave behind. And you know, many people would say, "Hey, Harry, you got my flashlight?" You know, more so than what wonderful product do you have for me today or how are you going to make my life better today so the flashlight was the was the door entry it, that that got me in and got the conversation started but one can differentiate oneself in so many ways you know well, again, some people do it with, with dress. You know, they're, they're loud. And Some people do it with uh, trying anything that says, I'm not just the average Joe or Jill. I'm, I'm here to make a difference. And you start that by listening more than talking. Find out what's important to the customer. You know, what, what's the old story that, that uh, talking is, is sharing, listening is caring. And great difference between sharing and caring. And people, most customers are not interested in how much you know they're interested in how much you care. And if you are genuine and responsible in that caring and it's well-placed and and well-meaning, then, again, it, it shows. It shows. It's hard to fake sincerity for very long.
1: Yeah, you know, I think one of the best ways to do that is to ask a lot of questions. I mean, I was actually on a sales call uh, pretty recently where someone was trying to sell to me, and uh, you know, instead of instead of taking the time to actually. Understand, you know who I was and and what perspective I was approaching the conversation from. They really just kind of jumped straight into uh, to pitching their product, and so they were pitching it in a way that you know really wasn't relevant to to me and to my situation. And so, um, one thing that I've found valuable in selling for my agency is to you know, hold back the urge to, you know, talk about those features and benefits until I've asked enough questions to really figure out uh, you know, what's important to the person on the other end of the phone. And so a- any thoughts around that or, you know, and how to do that effectively?
0: For sure. Uh, you know, they talk about the 80-20 rules in business. Well, that's a pretty good template for sales too. You ought to be listening 80% of the time. Talking 20% of the time. You ought to be asking questions that you learn so much. You know, you already know what you know. So the only way you can learn is to ask and listen. That way, you find out what's important to the customer. What are the issues that that customer is facing? What solutions or resolutions is he or she looking for? Again, and you do that through effective questioning. It's as important. It's any part of sales success. There's no question about it. Uh, you must learn to listen. Good salespeople are, are good listeners.
1: So in your experience leading such a massive sales force and, and being responsible for training these people and, and guiding them, what are one or two of the other most common pitfalls that you think salespeople fall into? And you know, how do you typically go about rectifying that?
0: Most salespeople fail from lack of effort and lack of discipline and lack of focus, not lack of product knowledge. Most salespeople are just not willing to pay what's required for success. It ain't easy. Let's be honest. It's uphill in every direction. And for someone to attain and maintain a level of success means they do their homework. They don't rest on their laurels. They continue to learn. They continue to uh, you know, do all the things that are important, ask customers for referrals, do things that are critical to their success. If there's a problem, don't run from it. It won't heal itself. Address it. Understand. That that's what you've got to do to win friends and influence people
1: <laughs> <laughs> a phenomenal book if anyone listening has has not yet read it
0: one, one of the all-time favorites he he started mr. Carnegie all, all of this self-improvement motivation stuff that's become so important that the that Jim Collins of the the Jeff Gittimer's and so the Brian Tracy's the so many of the people who write motivational books today do uh, it all started with how to win friends and influence people. Uh, Absolutely, it, no question.
1: Well, so changing tracks a little bit, Harry. You know, I know that one thing that's been really important to you, um, you know, since since retiring from your your career has been giving back. So I'm curious, you know, how has your philanthropic endeavors played into your sense of fulfillment in life, and you know what what does that really mean for you?
0: Very, very satisfying. I think they relate the quote to Winston Churchill, and that it's been disputed whether he actually said it or not. There's so many things that get related to Churchill and to Yogi Berra that neither of them ever said. You know who Yogi Berra is? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The Yankees with all the malaprops and that Mm. kind of, you know, nobody goes to that restaurant anymore. You never get in the place. I mean, you know, those type things. But, uh, Churchill, or it's attributed to him anyway, said, we make a living uh, by what we get, we make a life by what we give. And again, once you've attained success, nothing is more fulfilling than sharing that success, whether it's the competences that you've gained through the years that you can transmit to others through mentoring, whether it's the largesse that you can spread to worthy institutions and causes, there's nothing more fulfilling than giving back. There's nothing better than at the end of the day to know that you made a difference and you helped the lives of others. That's a turn on. And uh, again, I've had opportunities through certain charities. I've had an opportunity at Kennesaw State University where I've been an executive in residence for, for years to help establish a center for professional selling. And Kennesaw is one of a handful of universities throughout the country that offers a four-year degree in professional sales. And each year we graduate hundreds of young men and women who are committed to to a career in selling. And they're well prepared, and they've uh, and they're experienced, and they all end up with multiple job offers because of the job fairs we have. Here are people that want to be in sales. Here are people who competed. Here, are the, there's a national collegiate sales competition each year that held that is held at Kennesaw every March, where 50, 60, 70 universities from around the country send a team of two in, where they're judged if they sell a product and a service and they, they have $5,000 prizes. Well, at the end of it, there's a job fair. And I would employ every one of the candidates, every one of the participants, and that's how good they are. They're, they're properly trained, they're educated, they're motivated, they're focused, they're all the things that a salesperson needs to be. So again, giving back is, is a great, great privilege that those who can and it doesn't have to just be with monetary means means it can be coaching kids it can be helping the disenfranchised it can be so many ways that people give back but my advice is if you really want a full life it's not just about getting it's about giving
1: well, I couldn't think of a better note to end on than that one, Harry. So, you know, before I let you go, talk to me a little bit about who should go pick up your book and you know where they can go to uh to get story selling.
0: Well, the answer to that is pretty simple, Dorothy. Everybody should go <laughs> pick up. I don't know how people can make it without story selling. Not story selling, story selling. We all tell stories. I mean, from childhood up, everybody's telling stories, but selling stories allows people to find relationships and examples that I think are pertinent and that they can use. The book is in some Barnes and Nobles, but obviously Amazon is the place everybody goes for books. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's uh, both in electronic form and in hardcover form. And uh, again, I, it's 50 simple stories, read time, about an hour and a half. And uh, again, it's the, the chapters are all independent, so one doesn't have to read it and say, where was I? It's uh, the bathroom book. You can pick it up anytime you want and read a chapter or two. And hopefully your listeners will find it helpful and, and informative and entertaining. And uh, that's what my mission was. And that was the intent.
1: I love that you answered the question that way because I think for everyone listening right now one thing that you have to understand is it does not matter what you are doing it doesn't matter if you are an entrepreneur who's selling your own products or services it doesn't matter if you you know work for a company and and you're just trying to sell yourself to your boss to you know the the people in your life you are always always selling. And so these lessons that Harry teaches are applicable in so many different areas in our lives, You know, regardless of whether or not sales is uh, is your job description. So we will link to the book on Amazon in the show notes. So you can head there to uh, to pick up that copy. And um, Harry, I really can't thank you enough for doing this with me today. It's been a lot of fun.
0: And for me as well, Dorothy. Thanks so much. And good luck to you and to your listeners.
1: All right, everyone, that's our show. Now, before I sign off, I want to genuinely thank you for giving me this gift of your time and attention. I know how valuable that is. And so it truly means the world to be able to spread this message with you. Now, if you are getting value from this podcast, the most helpful thing you can do is to leave a five-star review and share this with your friends post a screenshot to your Instagram stories, or even text the link to someone specific that you think would find value in this also. So with that, I hope this episode has inspired you to do well and do good. And I'll see you back here next week.